28 Minutes or Less podcast with Estop Foster, Foster, Foster. Yo, 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 what's good? What's good? It is your boy S. Foster back for another episode of 28 Minutes or Less. And this is episode 140 of the podcast. Now, the subject matter today is going to be my beloved nose, okay? Now, I had to give myself a week for two reasons. For no one, I've been sick all week. Um, so we didn't even do any viewers anonymous this week. So if y'all was looking for it, that's why um, I'm finally able to. I mean, I still kind of got a little scratch in the voice, but it's getting a little better. But also another reason was I needed to be able to just really think a lot of things through before I got this podcast out. And first and foremost. This is where I want to start when it comes with them. So everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Florida State fan. And when I look at this program over the last decade, okay? Um, so a decade ago, you know, Jimbo Fisher led them to the last BCS Rose Bowl championship game where Jameis Winston hit Calvin Benjamin, you know what I'm saying, against Auburn when they came back to win, you know what I'm saying, with the time about to expire, they get that national championship, all right? Then the next year is the beginning of the playoff. Now, they went undefeated the championship year, 2013, and so then the next year, they go undefeated, but there was a lot of trials and tribulations that season. There was a lot of close games. There were games where they were down. I mean, I think it was one game. They were down by like 24 or something like that at halftime. Something crazy. Florida State found a chance every week to come back and win. Now, with that being said, after winning a national championship, they went into the playoff at the three spot. So they went in there and they had one of the most turnover-ridden, just flimsy, fumbling, craziest game you've ever seen in your life. I mean, Jameis Winston went back to throw a pass. The ball slipped out of his hand going in the opposite direction. Dalvin Cooks, you know, true freshman, had a great season. Um, I think he broke, he did, he did break uh, Ward Dunn's uh, freshman rushing record. He had rushed for a thousand yards. And I don't think he fumbled all year, and he fumbled like twice in that game. They played Oregon. It was just, it was just a game that was just all over the place. All right. So then, now things were starting before then when it came to Jimbo Fisher. Things were starting before then where he had a lot of requests of things that he wanted, and he was always threatening to leave. He always had one foot in, one foot out. Me, my myself personally. Look, I mean, I can't say personally because I don't know the guy. I'm just saying my personal opinion. I never was a fan of his, even though he won the championship. Um, being a fan of this program, I've always been very huge into Bobby Bowden. Um, 
And I think that anytime you have a legend, you know, with the program, I think you let those legends make, you know what I'm saying, their decisions. Um, now granted, the program wasn't in the best spot in his later years, but I think that he deserved that, you know, to take over this program. And it was either 75 or 76 to take over this program that was about to cancel their football program. He's coming from West Virginia, where, for people that don't know, West Virginia was pretty good in the 70s. Um, he created the, the Veer offense. They ran it up there, they did really well. He took the job down here at Florida State, and obviously you see what he turned it into. So, to for Florida State to say that Jimbo Fisher is to be gonna be the person to precede him to take over that spot and be the coach in waiting, which we never really heard of it before. Um, I felt like the program, I think with pressure from Jimbo, they pushed them out. And Bobby Bowden never came to any games when Jimbo Fisher was the coach there, those years that he was there. So Jimbo Fisher, bitching and complaining, foot in and out, he decides to leave, takes the Texas A&M job where they give him a boatload of money. And so they go to Willie Taggart. Now, before they go to Willie Taggart, this is what you got to understand about Jimbo. With him threatening to leave every year, Jimbo knew he was going to leave. So what he did was he just basically stopped recruiting. And the guys that basically was coming was coming because of the program, basically. He left Florida State in shambles. They had no offensive linemen, and they had a bunch of players that was on academic probation. It was a bad situation from the start. And then not only was it a bad situation from the start, Willie Taggart came into a situation where he was the school's first black coach. So he was already riding on thin ice, and then he wasn't the first person. He wasn't, I think he was like the fourth or fifth person on the list. Um, so he had a lot to clean up and they didn't give him but a year and a half, and they got him out of there. So you bring in Mike Novell, who was you know killing it at uh, Memphis. He comes in, he's dealing with the things he's dealing with. He's dealing with COVID, he's dealing with, you know what I'm saying, not having no offensive lineman. Now, granted, Willie Taggart came in and still had a top five, top 10 recruiting class with that little bit of time that he got from leaving Oregon. So he still was able to put together a great class. It was just all the things that he had to clean up. I don't think people took that in consideration. It was one of those situations where, you know, Charlie Strong, when he went into Texas, Charlie Strong had to clean up the program first and he was all about discipline. And they didn't give him a fair shake or a fair shot at Texas, and they got rid of him really fast. So, dealing with the things that he had to deal with, things wasn't looking good in the beginning, but I'm always a person that's like, yo, you gotta give a person time. Now, up until like two years ago, you know, the transfer portal thing wasn't really a thing. You know, back then, if you transferred to D1 to D1, you had to sit out a year. So the transfer portal, NIL, all this stuff comes in. Mike Novell know how to use this shit to perfection. So he was able to get it a lot, get it done a lot faster and a lot quicker 
because of the new rules of the NCAA. So last year started out hot, beat LSU in New Orleans. Started out like I think five and zero, I think. And then they had three ranked opponents, including Clemson in there. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Clemson, Wake Forest. Oh, I can't remember who it was. But anyway, might have been North Carolina State. But anyway, they lost three straight. So now everybody's like, all right, well, we thought Florida State was back. It ended up being a fluke because they looked at it like, oh, well, yeah, they beat LSU. But it was Brian Kelly's first game. We don't really know, you know, did, did they get lucky because it was a field goal miss situation or block situation. So, you know, everybody thought, oh, maybe Florida State's a fluke. Then they rang off like seven or eight straight. It was, it was something like that. So they finished the season with a cheese bowl win, 10 win season, all right? Finished the season 10 and three, if I'm not mistaken. So coming into this year, expectations are super high. You know, Mike hit the, hit the portal hard, brought in Jaheim Bell, brought in Brandon Fisk, brought in uh, uh, Keon Coleman, you know, those are, you know, some of the key additions that he brought in this, this last season. Um, also, uh, Cypress, but Cypress, he, 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 he wasn't as good as I thought he was going to be coming out of Virginia. But, but you know, they already had their usable suspects. Jared Verse could have went first round last year. He decided to come back. Um, Lovett decided to come back. Um... Benson, Trey Benson decided to come back. Johnny Wilson decided to come back. So, Jordan Travis. So, personally, going into the season, I was like, yo, I, I think this is going to be a good year. Did I see this coming? I'm not going to lie to you and say, yeah. But I did think that they was going to get more than 10 wins because I thought that this was a really, really good football team coming into the season. Started out LSU again, beat them. Next thing you know, win after win after win after win. The next thing you know, we go to Clemson. Now, Clemson being a rivalry game, Clemson, you know, record not looking well. So when Florida State got the win, I struggled a little bit, but I look at it like, yo, it's a rivalry game now. It's just one of those things where we had to get back over that hump again. You know, after beating Clemson five years in a row, if I'm not mistaken, I think they rattled off seven against us, seven or eight straight, you know? So to get over that hump, I think that that was very monumental and it took that momentum on for the rest of the season where you beat Miami, you know what I'm saying? You beat Florida, you beat everybody that you need to beat, all right? So during the Florida game, now you got Jordan Travis getting Heisman talk. Keon Coleman is considered one of the best receivers in the league. You got Benson considered one of the best running backs in the league. Jaheim Bell, just an athlete. Johnny Wilson, yeah, he dropped a lot of balls, but the, the, the crazy thing about him is he catches the tough balls 
and he usually dropped the easy ones, which, you know what I'm saying, you pick your battles when it comes to that. Um, I've always liked my man, um, Lawrence Tolafili. Um, Verse is doing good. Uh, Batum, Tatum, like everybody's looking good. Green, everybody's looking good. Peyton. So they're going into Florida to be the state champs back to back. Get one of those hip check tackles. And Jordan Travis, get his leg dislocated, broken, however you want to put it. Now Tate Rodemaker have to step in. Now, I've seen some Tate, you know, from either blowouts or last year, Jordan got hurt. He had to come in and he had to beat Louisville. You know what I'm saying? Had a hell of a game to the point where people like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I like this Tate Rodemaker guy. So Tate comes in, finished the game off. And so you beat Florida, and a lot of people was like, well, they didn't beat them convincingly. But then the thing is, it's like, yo, when you look at a lot of the rivalry games, when you look back at that week, there wasn't a lot of blowouts. A lot of the games were games. That's why they call rivalry games. Um, it's great to, to blow somebody out during rivalry week, but that's not always the case, which I didn't know why a lot of people were, you know, down in that win the way that they were. So there's a lot of uncertainty, but the only uncertainty that's not uncertain is the fact that Florida State was going to the ACC championship, which I was able to attend. Um, it was a great atmosphere, man, um, to be able to go to that game, you know, to sit in the stands. I, I've never been a part of a championship game. I've been to, um, you know, a Florida State game, uh, game in the past. It, you know, it, it wasn't, I mean, it was a game of significance. Um, I went to Tallahassee and saw, um, it was a night game, 2016, they played Clemson. That was like the first year that we lost to them. It was either the first or the second year um, that we had lost to Clemson. And, um, but obviously that game had some significance, but it wasn't a championship game. So to be able to go to Charlotte, you know, take in that atmosphere, um, to see these guys live, that was just, that was a treat, man. That was great. That was awesome. But while I was watching that game, I found out beforehand um, while tail, uh, tailgating that Alabama had beat Auburn. I mean, excuse me. Alabama did beat Auburn, but that, that was, I ain't even going to get into that game, but Alabama beat Georgia. So I knew that that would throw a huge monkey wrench into this whole playoff thing. So while watching that game, I'm thinking to myself, with the way that that game was going, I said Florida State's not gonna make the playoff. I said this, that Saturday night watching the game, it's like the committee's not gonna put them in. Um, Tate Rodemaker wasn't able to play because he had a concussion. He was in concussion protocol. Brock Glenn steps in. I don't know why everybody was so excited to see Brock Glenn. He went out there, he laid an egg, but he was able to get the win. Huge defense plays. 
special teams plays, Lawrence Tolafili, he, he just, he showed up. So I'm, I'm watching this game and it's like, I'm happy, I'm proud, but then at the same time, it's like, if you know football, you had a sense of what was coming. I had a sense of knowing what was about to happen. Like I said, I was I was saying this Saturday that Saturday night, you know what I'm saying? I was like, with the people that I was with, they're not putting Florida State in. So they're talking about their resume, this, that, this, that. I was like, I hear you. But there's a lot of furs that's at stake right now. And I think that Florida State is gonna be the first power five team undefeated to miss the playoff because they're gonna look at it like Jordan Travis is not there. The offense is not looking well. And I had a feeling what was gonna happen. So then Sunday rolls around. You're hearing all the talk, you know, now we hear about this rule that we, that we probably heard, didn't pay it any attention, or whatever the case may be, but then everybody's talking about how, what, you know, the committee's looking at the teams, well, what you are. Injury is a factor here. And then people bringing up the point of TCU and all this type of stuff. Let me, let me address that first. TCU ain't got a damn thing to do with Florida State. You can't, first of all, what you can't do is you can't think that you can predict what's going to happen. TCU didn't have anything to do with Florida State. Also, I'm going to use TCU for another example when I get into my thoughts on the committee doing what they're doing. So, I personally think that they are trying to put window dressing on just saying, now the guy that's head of committee said, but he's trying to make it seem like, he's trying to say it in the nicest way, they're not the same team without Jordan Travis, but basically you said, because Jordan Travis broke his leg, they're not the same team and they don't deserve to be here. Now the same team that got one of the best defenses in, the co in college football, the same team that when they're cooking, can have a great running game, one of the best running games in college football. Two great running backs, three really. Oh well, two great ones and one decent, not decent, but pretty good. Um, two of the best athletes that you can see in Keon Coleman and G Jaheim Bell. Johnny Wilson, just a freak of nature. And a rebuilt offensive line, a great defensive line. Really, really good linebackers and defensive backs. They had one of the best. Um, it was something where they went like eight straight games without giving up a passing touchdown or something like that. Something crazy. A team that put together the resume that they put up. And I know what you're thinking. You said the word resume. Yeah, I said resume. You play who you play in the SEC. You know, this year they happened to be on the coastal side even though they, they got rid of those divisions, but 
you know, they played more coastal teams than Atlantic teams this year. You know, so Florida State went out of their way to play LSU. And they always play Florida. So you throw a South Alabama, North Alabama, whichever one of them Alabamas it was. So you play one of those. All right, cool. But you put up a 13-0 record in a Power 5 conference. And they say that your strength of schedule is not good. Like you basically get, you get judged off of how the other teams perform. And everybody was throwing up the resume of Alabama and Florida State because Alabama got the fourth spot. This is my opinion on it. I'm not mad at Alabama getting in. I think the team that we need to be focused on, and I think that my guy Scoots Bronson would agree with me on this, is Michigan. If the system is flawed, which most systems are, Michigan was the worst decision, in my opinion, in this whole thing. When you look at the Big 12, excuse me, the Big 10, really it's Ohio State, Michigan, and everybody else. Right? Penn State, they always start off good, but once Penn State plays somebody ranked, they fall off. Do y'all know who Michigan played in their out of conference? Play East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. So Michigan beat East Carolina 30 to three, UNLV 35 to seven, Bowling Green 31 to six. That's their out of conference. So they would reward teams for actually putting a viable opponent on the schedule, which Florida State did. Michigan put nothing but cupcakes on theirs and stayed number one. Well, not number one because um, Georgia was number one the whole time, but you know, pretty much number two, number three all year. They have a cheating scandal where their coach gets suspended for three, four games or whatever the case may be, which it was self-imposed. They have three cupcake out of conference. And then in their conference, you really only play Ohio State and Penn State. And they get the number one spot. I'm not mad at the Alabama joint. I'm not mad at Washington. And I can see how Texas got in there. But the spot that's not as earned, deserved, 
however you want to word it. The Michigan spot is the most questionable spot where they left out Florida State. I understand where they're coming from. I understand why they said what they said because I was thinking that before the game, the ACC championship game was even over. I was like, they're not gonna put them in because of what happened with Bama in Georgia. For an undefeated season, almost completed, I get, I get there here in a second. But for them to have no scandal, there's no questions around this program. There's no questions about the coach. The coach haven't had to get suspended. Florida State came out every week and did what they were supposed to do every week against viable opponents. All right, you have a hiccup at Boston College and it's college football. You're not gonna blow everybody out all the time. Was it a game where they might have exposed something? Maybe, maybe not. Sometimes you just have a day. That's just like Florida State got a thing when they go to rally. If you are a Florida State fan, you know every time you go to Raleigh, North Carolina, it's always some kind of eerie shit. Whether North Carolina State is good, whether they're not, they just struggle there. That's just one of those things. And they struggled at Boston College before. This ain't nothing new. A couple of years ago, they played a night game up there and they needed like a last second prayer to win that shit. But the whole point of what I'm saying is when you look at Michigan with the problems that they have, you beat a Rutgers 21, well, excuse me, 31 to 7. You beat a, a, a trash ass Nebraska team 45 to 7. Minnesota 52 to 10. Indiana 52 to 7. You know what I'm saying? You beat Purdue, you beat uh, Michigan State who don't even score. Like, and then you play an Iowa team. Even though they're number 20, Iowa don't even, they put up a goose egg because I, I don't think Iowa scored two touchdowns in one game this year. And when you look at the things that surrounding this program, but because they're Michigan, because they have the most wins in college football history, it's the big house. They're the Wolverines. They, they are quote unquote, the, the most prestigious program in college football. You can't leave Michigan out because Michigan got all this tradition. They look past the cheating scandal. They look past the coach being suspended. They look past that weak ass schedule that they play. Everybody wanna talk about how weak Florida State schedule was because of the ACC. But the ACC was still six and four against the big 
against the uh, SEC, even though those last two, the, the five and the sixes, Florida State beating Florida and uh, LSU. But they put two SEC teams on their schedule compared to a team who played somebody in the MAC, somebody in the, uh, what is it, the, uh, the AAC, the, I think they're the American Conference or something like that. That's where I think the committee got it wrong. Now, whether they put Michigan at number one or whether they just booted Michigan out overall, I think that we're so caught up in Bama and whether they were deserving or not. And I've heard the discussion of, well, Georgia got cheated as well for dropping five spots. But I think that they were trying to say, well, you know, Florida State is still undefeated, so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna put them above them to, to, to give them a little, a little, you know what I'm saying, a little nudge. I think the message that was sent was you don't have, for number one, to put all of this on Jordan Travis is a tragedy. And for him to say what he said, I felt so bad for him. The fact that he said, yo, if I would have broke my leg earlier in the season, y'all would have seen that this team is a team and they could win without me. I hate that he, you know, is going through what he's going through and also mentally what he's going through. Um, I think the committee, the message that they sent is terrible um, because they're basically saying because your quarterback got hurt, which everybody want to talk about. He's a Heisman candidate, right? He ended up being, he finished fifth in the vote. Now, Jalen Daniels won the Heisman when Florida State made him look like shit. Think about that. Florida State made him look like a decent average quarterback. But y'all want to talk about how important Jordan Travis, y'all said Jordan Travis is so important. So important to the fact where you leave this team out of the national championship, but he don't get invited to New York. This dude wins, you know what I'm saying? He's first team, all ACC. He wins, uh, I forgot what he won. Uh, uh, basically best player at ACC, however you want to put it. But he don't get invited to New York, though. But also, the other message that you sent was because your brand name is so big that you can have a cheating scandal and your coach gets suspended for games and they get put at number one. Yeah, they undefeated, but they didn't do what Florida State did while actually putting two viable teams, two great teams on the schedule. Because that was a whole thing in the BCS, right? Y'all remember that? That whole BCS conversation. Oh, well, they, they, did, they didn't, um, 
they ain't play nobody with their out-of-conference games. So we got to knock you down. Yeah, you undefeated, but you, but you, everybody want to say, oh, man, look at your out-of-conference. Look at your out-of-conference. And so you got a school like Florida State who's willing, willing to do a home-and-home home on off-site. And that's another thing. They didn't play in Baton Rouge. They played in New Orleans, and they didn't play in Tallahassee. They played in Jacksonville. Orlando, one of them. Neutral site games for the kickoff. Won both of them. And what's your reward? Playing the Orange Bowl. Now let me get there. I said this when I saw the matchup. If everybody shows, that's the key thing. I already think Keon Coleman's not coming. He's already done put his thank you to Florida State on his Instagram page. So I don't think Keon Coleman's playing. I don't know if Johnny Wilson playing. I don't know if Jared versus playing. You know, it's, it's still up in the air right now. As far as I know, it seems like the only person that may not be playing is Keon Coleman. If Florida State can find a way to beat Georgia, and I, and I saw the jokes. Man, look at Florida State. They uh, they getting done wrong. They get kept out the playoff, and they're going to get beat by 30 by Georgia. You know, Tate Rodemaker's going to be back. Um, like I say, if, if everybody plays, I think it's going to be a game. I think that what they should do, I understand if they don't play, the guys that are considered to be first and second rounders, I get it. But I think it means something to be part of a complete undefeated season. To come out and play against Georgia, and if they can get the win against Georgia, then you can really look back at this committee and say, y'all screwed up. That's only if Florida State can get the win. Now, if Florida State go out here and get beat, which they really could go out here and, and get beat, they could get beat by 30. And then everybody can say, see, I told you so. And that's cool. I'll take that, I told you so. But at the same time, if the full roster's there and they get beat by 30, all right, cool. I can take it. What I'm saying is, if the whole team goes out there and play, obviously minus Jordan Travis, if they go out there and play and whether they win, then all this little stuff about suing the committee and, uh, and all this type stuff, wait to see what the results of this gonna be. Because I don't think you have a case unless you beat Georgia. Because Georgia, there's a lot of people that feel like Georgia got screwed too. Because everybody's like, how do you be number one all year? And then you finish year at number six. So Georgia got a case too. So Georgia might want to come out here and have a point to prove as well. There's two mad teams here. Now, depending on how both teams take it, because both teams could be like, yo, this ain't what we, this ain't what we played for. We did not play for an Orange Bowl win. So it could be another situation where Georgia guys don't want to show up as well. So... I think that if Florida State wins, 
then if y'all want to do this whole little lawsuit thing or whatever and say y'all screwed us over and all this type stuff, cool. But they go out there and win, yeah. Florida State fans, we got to deal with the I told you so's. We got to hear, man, I told you Florida State didn't deserve to be in there. Look at what happened to them against Georgia. So I think that this is the perfect storm situation. If you lose against Georgia, Georgia can say, look, we told you we deserve to be in. If Florida State wins, then everybody can say, look, we told you we deserve to be in. So my hat's off to them this season. It was great to watch. You know, I haven't I haven't felt this since 2013, 2015. Um, well, 14, 13 and 14, excuse me. Um, Mike Novell did a phenomenal job with the team this year. He's doing a great job with the Porter NIL. However, he's doing it. He's doing it. Um, it was great to be able to watch them win that ACC championship game live. Um, being in Charlotte during that time, man, it was awesome. Um, but I do think that even though a lot of these guys aren't bleeding garnet and gold because a lot of these guys transferred in and whatever the case may be, I still think it means something to look back in history and say 14-0, okay, we didn't win the championship. But you can always say, yo, you know that year they screwed us? Like we're still down in history as an undefeated football team in a Power Five conference. I think that means something. So I hope that these guys are looking at that scenario and decide to come back and play this one final game and try to beat the, the team that sat at number one all year and hand them their second loss and finish the season undefeated, I think it means something. So I hope these guys decide to play. I hope they go out there, play their hearts out, and leave it all out on the field. Um, but you know, me, S. Foster, man, I am proud of this year. I'm proud of those guys. I'm so proud of Jordan Travis and the performance that he put on this year. He put on a, you know what I'm saying? He wheeled us to a win every every game, man. Him, Trey Benson, put it on his back sometimes. Keon Coleman put it on his back sometimes. Tola Feely put it on his back sometimes. Uh, Kalen Deloach, I mean, look at, I mean, that Clemson game. He get the sack, he get the script, he get the scoop, and he get the score all in one play. like. There's, there, it's been a magical season, man. And, you know, I hope that they're able to close this thing out, man. I really do. Um, you know, it took me a minute to put this podcast together as far as psychologically how I wanted to attack it, the things that I wanted to say. But um, I stand on what I said, though. I, I think the biggest wrongdoing is what happened with Michigan. I don't think Michigan should be number one. And I know you're going to think I'm biased saying this, but I think that Florida State should have been the team to replace Michigan. Not number one, though. I'm not saying Florida State should have been number one. Like, if you ask me, and to close this thing out, I think Washington should have been number one. I think 
Texas should have been number two. I think Florida State should have been number three. And I think Bama should have been number four. And Florida State would have played Texas. And I think Michigan should be playing Georgia and get waxed. And that's the one thing to finish my point. Everybody want to talk about, oh, well, TCU, they got they got boat race, man. They got punished by Georgia. Nah, 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 all this type shit. Do y'all remember who TCU beat? Yeah. TCU beat Michigan last year. We don't know how fucking good Michigan is still. Yeah, they beat Ohio State, but Ohio State wasn't great this year. They got the greatest talent as far as Marvin Harris, Marvin Harrison Jr. But their quarterback play has been subpar. Defense has been subpar. We don't know if Michigan has been good the last two years. Yeah, they haven't lost. But TCU beat them last year. Everybody act like TCU got boat raced in the damn first playoff game. No, they beat Michigan and then they got boat raced. So, that's all I'm saying. Y'all left, left Florida State out. All right, cool. I'm not mad at the Bama shit. I'm mad at the Michigan stuff. Let me know if y'all agree with me. So that's all I got for today. Um, I can tell y'all because I already know what the next episode is going to be. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I might do 10. There have been some more albums to come out. I usually do my top 10 albums of the year. Um, I was going to do five. I could possibly do 10. Some more stuff came out. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to look, go back and listen to some stuff to see how I want to play this thing out. But that will be the next episode before the year closes out. I will be doing my either top five or top ten albums of the year. So be on the lookout for that. So uh, I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, I appreciate, oh yeah, the wrap up, man. Um, numbers are up. You know what I'm saying? Last year I hit 11 countries. This year I hit 14. So I appreciate everybody for uh, listening um, and supporting this podcast. Um, you know, I want to thank my guy Scoots Bronson for pushing me on the Viewers Anonymous that we do. Um, also, I want to thank uh, my guy Casey, you know, for, for giving me support, always um, giving me feedback when it comes to the podcast. Shout out to my guys, E. Carter, J.D., and Siege. Um, I just want to thank everybody. So I, I really, really, really do appreciate y'all taking the time and um, listening to these pods. I know I don't usually do sports on here, but, you know, a little unusual year. Something that was uh, that needed to be something I really needed to get off my chest other than, you know what I'm saying, a small circle of people that I speak to in my life. So, um hope y'all enjoyed it i appreciate the support and until the next time this was episode 140 of the podcast and i'm out